0: Chapter 37 of Snarled Identities This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Hampton Snarled Identities by Nicholas Carter Chapter 37 Griswold Still Doubtful The detective leaned forward in the taxi and held Griswold's eyes commandingly. "'That's about enough of that, Griswold,' he said with ominous quiet. "'I would advise you to restrain yourself. I'm not accustomed to being approached in this way, and I've endured it this far only because I've made allowance for your obvious excitement. I suppose that a man in your position would be sufficiently informed concerning me and my work to have no such illusions, and sufficiently in command of himself to conquer such heated impulse.' A moment's reflection ought to convince you that my presence up the state for the last few days can easily be verified. And now, if you'll come to your senses, I shall be more than eager to hear what you have to say about this extraordinary experience of yours. First, though, tell me how seriously my friend is injured. During this speech, and for some moments afterward, the millionaire newspaperman continued to gaze at the detective as if he were trying to pierce his very soul, and when he withdrew his gaze at length, It was only to shift it to Chick. You almost persuade me, he told Nick at last. Either I've been dreaming, though, or I'm dreaming now. This is the most amazing thing that has ever occurred in my experience. I want to believe in you, Carter, I assure you. I have all along, and it was only with the greatest reluctance that I accepted the conclusion which seemed forced upon me by circumstances, which I could not question. He paused for a moment and then launched into an account of his reasons for visiting Cray, the latter's suggestion that they should call upon Nick Carter and seek his aid, the interview in the detective study, and so on. "'I can't see any difference,' he declared. "'So far as I can tell, you are the same man I talked with there, and don't forget that Cray himself was evidently convinced that he was talking with you. Later you, or the man I took to be you, phoned me and asked further particulars concerning Simpson. I hope for speedy results, of course, with a case in such hands,' But I heard nothing more until the next morning, when I was informed that a man named Jones, who had represented himself as connected with the Chronicle and Observer office, had been seriously injured in New Pelham. The description suggested Cray, and I hastened up into Westchester County. I found that it was Cray, and learned that he had been muttering your name. He had been repeatedly struck on the head with some blunt instrument, and the doctor feared a fracture. He had not really been conscious, though, and hasn't been yet, to the best of my knowledge. I questioned Mrs. Simpson and the doctor and learned that Cray had been found in the backyard near one of those little portable garages. Curiosity sent me out there, and hearing a sort of groan, I broke into the garage and, to my amazement, found Simpson himself bound and gagged. He then went on to repeat the treasurer's story of his capture and the unseen conflict that had taken place between Cray and his companion, the man whom Jack had referred to as Nick Carter. Incidentally, he referred to the term green-eyed, which Simpson had overheard. "'Now that's pretty strong circumstantial evidence, isn't it?' he demanded at the conclusion. "'If you are really Nick Carter and can prove that you haven't been in New York for days, no one will rejoice more sincerely than I, although it would cheat me out of a tremendous news sensation. Frankly, though, I still find it almost impossible to believe you, despite your attitude and your appearance of sincerity,' How could your own servants have been deceived? How could anyone have lived in your house for days without betraying himself in some way? How could Cray, a detective himself, and an old friend, have been so blind? Nick and his assistant had listened to the story with growing interest and excitement. More than once they had exchanged meaning glances, but when Griswold mentioned the compound word which had been part of Cray's last startled whisper, the faces they turned to each other were a study. It seemed impossible for them to keep silence any longer, but they managed to do so until the millionaire had finished. The dead have come to life more than once, you know, in our experience, Nick said softly, looking at his assistant. Chick nodded. Yes, that must be it, I suppose, he agreed. I was thinking all along that I knew of no one else who could possibly have turned such a trick, and when it came to that green-eyed business... There wasn't much room left for doubt, Nick supplied. What in thunder are you two talking about, Griswold broke in. Have you ever heard of Ernest Gordon, familiarly known as Green Eye Gordon, the detective asked him? Of course. I read my newspapers more carefully than anyone else does. Good heavens, is it possible you think Gordon could have impersonated you? Nick nodded. That's precisely what I feel obliged to think, he answered. But, but Gordon is in prison, isn't he? "'No, by heaven, he's dead. "'I'd forgotten for the moment, "'but he died in that fire up at Danamora a short time ago. "'Don't you remember?' "'That was the report,' Nick admitted readily, "'and naturally I accepted it at the time as everyone else did. "'The astounding information you have just given me, however, "'puts a very different face on the matter. "'I believe Gordon would have been capable of that sort of thing. "'In fact, I have evidence of similar stunts pulled off by him in the past.' Furthermore, I know of no one else with a criminal record who would have been capable of such a performance, and no one without a long criminal experience would have dared do such a thing. Finally, we have Simpson's testimony, which seems plain enough to me. When Cray was first attacked, he naturally assumed that his assistant was I, and he spoke my name in dazed incredulity. The next moment, however, overwhelming doubt would have naturally assailed him, And, under the influence of that, he must have obtained a closer glimpse in some way. Or it may be that the scoundrel betrayed himself unconsciously. Jack was about all in by that time, but he had strength enough to whisper his enemy's name. He wasn't talking about Green-Eyed Jealousy, you may be sure, but about Green-Eyed Gordon. Very ingenious, Griswold admitted doubtfully. How could such a mistake have been made at the prison, however? The report of Gordon's death has never been corrected. Probably because its inaccuracy has never been discovered, Nick told him. A convict was burned unrecognizably, and the remains were identified only by the number on the coat. Another convict escaped and hasn't been recaptured. Isn't it easy enough to believe that a man of Gordon's stamp might have seen a fellow prisoner succumb to the choking fumes and, under cover of the excitement, might have managed to exchange coats without being discovered? End of chapter 37 Recording by Paul Hampton